0: Hey Grace242, I'm here with my friend Bob Turner. Thank you Bob for being here today to help preach us through Romans and looking at Romans 2 today so our scripture reading is chapter 2 verses 1 through 16, let's read. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God, in his justice, will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you're stubborn and refuse to turn from your
1: sin, you're storing up terrible judgment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile,
0: for God does not show favoritism. When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law and the Jews, who do have God's law, will be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God, it is obeying the law that makes us right in His sight. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know His law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts, either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. So Bob, thank you so much for helping us out again today. I appreciate you walking us through Romans. It's actually your messages on Romans that make me think, oh, Romans is Preachable because there's so much there. So thank you. It for is, us. and
1: this passage especially is just jam-packed,
0: full of
1: very challenging information. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to do
0: it with you. Yeah, thank you. So first question for you: When we look at the first half of Romans two, uh, we know that Romans is a letter written by Paul to the church at Rome, and so we can read Romans thinking like we're reading somebody's mail, like we're actually getting a, a, a view into the correspondence between Paul and this church at Rome, and so. When we look at Romans, we see these challenges that Paul is addressing in this particular church that he's writing his letter to. And so what are some of the challenges that Paul is addressing in Romans two? Well, right off the bat, uh, he's challenging the church in Rome
1: with this propensity to condemn and judge people who sin. And if you look back at chapter one, you see just how bad sin can get, how things degrade and become more confused and he lists off a number of different sins that people have fallen into. Uh, And I really appreciate context whenever you're trying to figure out a difficult passage. So I just wanna refer us back to chapter one, uh, just to get a little bit of that context. The people of the Church of Rome and really for a lot of people nowadays have, you know, they're hardwired to know the truth about God. That's universal. You look around in the earth and the sky and in people, you can see evidence of God's activity, who he is and what he has done. But people have treated that truth in for a lie, and this is what happened with the people. Paul says in chapter one, they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks, and they began, began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip, and they became backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. Hmm. Well, what does that have to do with this issue that Paul's talking about in chapter 2 about people condemning and judging people who sin? Well, I've noticed, and I don't know if you noticed, but there's a lot of similarity with people judging others who sin with the people who are gossiping and backstabbing. Mm, yeah. Uh, there's just a lot of so- similarity there, and, and I think the basic problem is that um, you kind of become what you're pointing your finger at, and in the process, there becomes this us-them mentality people thinking, you know what? I'm just basically better than you. Hmm. It's that kind of judgment. Uh, And that was kind of the cultural norm for the Roman Empire, especially Rome, the capital of the Roman Empire. People throughout that society were very, um, I guess, segmented. Mm -hmm. There were nobles, there were slaves, There were foreigners, there were people with citizenship, people without citizenship. Every kind of class distinction or ethnic distinction you can imagine, and people are constantly keeping tabs on that pointing fingers about that, gossiping about that.
0: Yeah, status was really huge from my understanding in the in the yeah. Roman world. And it makes sense because it's the cultural seat of power, right, for the yeah. Roman Empire. And I remember I was just reading, and I think it actually was in my study Bible, the, the preface page to Romans that kind of sets the context. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that there was a Roman Empire that at one point um, uh, expelled the Jews from Rome. Mm -hmm. And so there was very much this kind of almost anti-Semitic bias that manifests sometimes in Rome where it's like, we don't want those weird Jews around here. We're Roman citizens. So...
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Bottom line is, judging was the favorite pastime of the people of Rome, Hmm. whether it be in the church or outside of the church. The people of the Church of Rome were caught in their culture, which was a judging
0: culture. So Bob, talking about this Roman context, how are the challenges that Paul was facing with the church at Rome very similar or no different from the challenges that we might face as the church or as believers in Jesus today?
1: Yeah, Well, I, I think we live in a very similar culture. Uh, we see this everywhere today. People saying things like, I can't believe he did that or, or look at what group she's with. And we name call over things like politics or religion. All the time, people touting their personal rights so as to give license in order to judge the other side. And that's been an all too common dynamic really for every age throughout history. Mm -hmm. Uh, People feel empowered, I think, when they judge other people. Um, Maybe it's because I'm Texan, but, you know, I think about people saying, Oh, get off your high horse. And well, for many, I think that when they're on top of that horse, they feel powerful looking down on other people and they like that kind of view. Um, I think also, even with Jesus and his disciples, he was dealing with that dynamic as well. Uh, Some of the disciples were focused
0: on, well, who's the
1: greatest? Yeah. You know, am I going to be, you know, where am I going to sit next yeah. to Jesus? Yeah, am I going save us
0: a seat at, t- at your throne room, essentially, right. what they're you saying. Right, can yeah. I sit
1: at your right hand at the table? Um, I want to be the very best disciple, mm-hmm. and they're so focused on that kind of one-upsmanship, yeah. and Jesus's encounter to that was, you know, I want you to be humble. Mm-hmm. Like these kids over here, I want you to be like them, or I want you to be last instead of first. I want you to be a servant washing people's feet like I'm doing instead of being number one. Um, Paul makes it clear that when we judge others, uh, we do the very same things. Uh, God will judge everyone according to what they've done. And that includes all the stuff we keep secret from everyone Including
0: um, Christians, including believers oh yeah, we're going to have to own up to what
1: we've done yeah I mean in the Bible it doesn't it say you know we need to confess our sins to one another but even though we go to things like men's group or women's group, um, how honest are we actually being with each other? are we being truly transparent so as to let God change us more into his likeness but instead, We keep things secret. Mm -hmm. Uh, We tend to judge other people. Um, You know, we're we're actually kind of all in the same boat. We we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of
0: God. Now, Bob, Mm -hmm. verses one through four talk a lot about judging, and Mm -hmm. you know, I've heard something that Christians say a lot, which is, "Don't judge, Mm -hmm. don't judge." That's kind of a mantra of Christianity in many ways, and. The problem is with that phrase is I look at other passages like 1 John 4 and I see John warning Christians about false teachers and essentially instructing Christians to judge. And Mm -hmm. so how do we reconcile Romans 2, 1 to 4 about judging with this don't judge but yet where you ought to judge? Can you help untangle this for us?
1: Yeah, and uh, I think a very common passage that people refer to is that 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 passage when it relates to this. So I'd like to read it. Yeah, uh, It says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Well, you know, I'd like to bear in mind that John actually had personal experience with this, and you actually see this in 3 John chapter one, when he was talking about this guy. And please excuse me for this name. Yeah. I wish everybody in the Bible was named Bob. It's just easier <laughs> to say.
0: But yeah. this
1: guy's name in, in chapter uh, in chapter one of 3 John is Diotrephes, I think, and. He says, I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. Hmm. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So you you see someone here who's more interested in himself and his ministry within the church than he is in obeying God, Mm. following God, putting Christ first. And I think a lot of these people, especially Christians who say don't judge, um, I, I think that in a good way they're focused on things like, you know, we need to love each other. We need to be graceful with each other. But within the church, we're talking about the body of Christ, heads, uh, the head of the body of Christ is Christ himself. Mm -hmm. Yes. He came to fulfill the law. He leads us, he guides us, he directs us. This is why we have standards of conduct and belief for our ministers, for our elders, for our deacons, and why we hold each other accountable within the church as iron sharpens iron. We want to keep each other accountable so that we can stay true to God's truth so that we can obey and follow Jesus Christ, so we can grow and mature into the people that Jesus always wanted us to be. Mm -hmm. But if we say anything goes, then what does that do to the church? We lose track. Mm -hmm. We lose sight of Jesus being the way and things just fall apart. That's why in places like Matthew 18, we're given specific processes and patterns on what to do if someone in the church becomes lost like a lost sheep. Right. And we have systems of accountability within that so that they can become part of the church in a healthy and fruitful way. But as it says in Matthew 18, if that person chooses not to cooperate, then we treat them as if they're outside of the church. And the pattern that we have throughout scripture, and I encourage people to look up passages on judging others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they consistently talk about people outside of the church, treating them with gentleness and kindness, forgiving and loving our enemies, but staying true to who God has called us to be. Mm-hmm. But for them, We want to share good news with people outside of the church. But for people inside the church, we do need to hold each other accountable. And that involves a certain level of judgment.
0: Yeah. So, Bob, verses 5 through 11, this next paragraph is a really tough one. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's words like punishment, storing up punishment for yourself, and and it's a hard paragraph to read. And, and I think we live in a culture that has a particular aversion to this type of message. So maybe walk us through what Paul is warning us of there, and then maybe say a few things about why we as a culture have such an aversion to messages like this. Yeah. And I love it how you make all these questions so easy to answer Thanks, Bill. <laughs> it's because I know uh, you can handle it, that's why.
1: Uh, well, I'll do my best, but I, I will say the first thing that popped to my mind is this uh, this dynamic. It seems like no matter what age people are, no matter how old they are, there seems to be this knee-jerk reaction, and I think it's natural for a sinful fallen person to say this, don't tell me what to do, mm-hmm. okay? I mean, you know, it, it's Nowadays, it just seems more common than ever. Uh, It feels to me like there's a decline going on. The respect for authority and accountability seem to be on the decline. Uh, I think that many people are willing to tout their personal rights as a way of saying uh, that what they can, th- they can do anything they want,
0: right? Well, it's built into our yeah. American ethos, right? I think I see that almost more than ever in my lifetime, this American ethos coming out that it's like, don't tread on me, don't tell me mm-hmm. what to do. And I think Christians need to be very aware when we make statements of that is, what comes out of our American identity, but what's supposed to come out of our Christian identity? And in our yeah. Christian identity, we are told what to do by God. Yeah, continue. Yeah, we we are, and you know, I I, I mean, I love America.
1: I, I think that our country uh, has a lot that's going for it if we go to our roots, you know. Uh, uh, but along with that self-reliant spirit, which I actually think is not consistent with the kingdom of God, there is a call to trust in God. In God we trust, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this idea of well, I've it's got to be my way or the highway Uh, that is again similar to ancient rome where um, i guess there's a stubbornness and this is how paul puts it in chapter two um, people are stubborn and they refuse to turn from their sin Mm -hmm. which
0: connects with romans 1 about the degrading and the sinful acts yeah Yeah,
1: and I, i think that our culture in some ways is unwilling to recognize that God is in charge and that a day of reckoning will come. And, but even within sectors of the church, people wonder, well, how could a loving God be loving if he judges? But I don't know, my heart's grieved by some of the decisions that are being made right now. Just as a couple of examples, um, I, I gotta ask myself, is it loving for a parent to let a little child do whatever they want. Um, And you see extreme cases of that now, where just this past week I heard someone say, well, even before my baby could talk, I could tell that they needed permanent transgender therapy and transgender surgery Uh, as an adolescent Decisions that permanently affect their physicality and their psyche for the rest of their lives. Um, Is that loving to let someone do that? Or is it loving to say, you know, there isn't a need for law enforcement when riots ensue, when murder rates skyrocket, when theft is completely out of control. Is that loving to let things just go? Won't there be a judgment someday for that kind of behavior? Because things have limits. Uh, In the scripture here, it talks about God's standard and accountability and judgment. And I, I actually think that those are gifts from God guarding us from calamity.
0: That he protects us from what we can do to ourselves. Yeah.
1: So we have a choice before us. We can either be stubborn and refuse to turn from our sin and consequently experience terrible judgment and trouble and calamity, or we can have faith in God and obey him. And then quote, he will give us eternal life or give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. It's a real fork in the road, but it has to do with whether or not we're gonna Cooperate and obey.
0: Yeah, I think I'm, my processing and all this, as you're talking about this, is sort of like, you know, we're in we're in a month right now that has people joke that it's been renamed to Pride, right? Mm-hmm. So you have you have uh, May Pride, July, mm-hmm. August, and unfortunately, right, like there's a lot of um, immorality that's on displayed. Mm-hmm in this month and even people who might formerly have identified with that crowd have even come out and said this has gone too far now and so it'd be it's we as christians look at that and say "Oh, our heart breaks for all of that immorality and the and the far from god nature of all that and so it's good that we're pronouncing a judgment that this is god dishonoring upon that but as soon as we see that and pronounce that judgment hey this is god dishonoring then our attention needs to come to ourselves and say that's god dishonoring oh but what are the ways that I've dishonored God? What are the ways that I've stored up judgment for my, myself? And how can I repent so that God can forgive me, so that I can be uh, stand ready for this eternal life that he wants to bestow upon me?
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody can read this passage in the Bible without thinking back to Matthew chapter seven, where he just talks about how, you know, if you're gonna judge others, which I do not want you to do, um, you know you need to take the log out of your own eye right uh, before you see the speck in their eye um, the dynamic right now is hey uh i, I guess anything goes mm-hmm. um, I, I think the main thing is if we're going to take that log out of our own eye then it's a matter of us turning towards Christ who can make us holy, who does make us holy because of what Jesus did, Mm
0: -hmm. not because of what we're doing. So, Bob, verses 12 through 16 bring up something that Christians have a lot of questions about, the law. And I feel like I should say dun-dun-dun after I say the law. So, In order to understand the law, I think we have to understand why Paul is talking about Jews and Gentiles and how that plays in. So can you just help us understand why Paul makes this distinction? Yeah, and I'd like to start by uh, repeating verse 11. Uh, Paul says
1: God does not show favoritism when he's talking about the differences between Jews and Gentiles and the judgment that will come upon us. We are all sinners. We are all fallen whether Jew or Gentile. The distinction, though, I think, is that the Jews have the written law of God, and the Gentiles, especially these folks in Rome, they didn't have it. They didn't grow up with it. They didn't Mm -hmm. grow up in a synagogue. They didn't have someone reading the Torah to them. They don't have the law. So, the Gentiles never had God's written law, even though some instinctively obey it, even without having heard it, because remember we're hardwired
0: to know God's truth. God's created that within us, this natural propensity to know right and wrong. Exactly,
1: but the Jews have God's law. What a huge blessing for thousands of years that they had God's law, but they will also be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. So the difference between Jews and Gentiles is not only having the law, but a willingness to obey it. As it says in verse 13, for merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in His sight. Hmm. So this got me thinking, well, what does the law do? Uh, in some ways, Scripture makes it clear that the law measures us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know by the law that we cannot obey the law on our own energy. We just can't. Right. Um, for all. in so, short, exactly, and yeah. and consequently, judged on our own merits, we will die as a consequence for not measuring up to the law. Mm-hmm. But I'm also thankful for a guy who I knew by the name of David Siemens, and he wrote this book called uh, A Blueprint for Living, hmm. and. I see the law also as a blueprint for how to have a healthy life. If, if we don't lie to each other, that's good for building trust and relationship. Right. If you don't kill someone, that's good for relationship. If you don't steal, if you don't envy. If you honor God with all your heart, mind, and soul, that's going to build your relationship with God. If you don't worship other gods, that's going to be healthy for a life in Christ. All of these different laws are meant to help us live good, healthy lives, have good, healthy marriages, to parent our kids well, for kids to grow up well. All of that is a blueprint for living.
0: It's actually for our benefit.
1: Absolutely. To help us be holy. And I'm going to repeat a scripture near and dear to Presbyterians hearts. It's Ephesians 1, 4, where he says, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be what? Holy and blameless in his sight. And the pathway towards holiness involves a blueprint on how to live.
0: Hmm. So Bob, I'm, I'm confused by chapter 2 verse 13. Paul says, for merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. But Romans 1.17 says we're made right with God or we're justified through faith. But yet here Paul says obeying the law is how we're made right. So help us reconcile this. I thought we were saved by faith, we might say.
1: Again, I thank you for the easy questions. You just softball it
0: right to me. <laughs> You're uh, welcome. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, I, I take great comfort in the fact that scripture informs scripture. Mm-hmm. When I'm struggling with something in Scripture, uh, it- it's good to look at the fact that we have, thank God, 66 books in the Bible to help us through stuff like this. And as I was praying, the Holy Spirit, I, I think, directed me to John chapter 4. And hmm. without reading that entire passage, i uh, just like to point out that it- it's this interaction that Jesus has in uh, I guess the bad side of town Hmm. because he's traveling and he goes through an area that a lot of Jews avoided, Samaria. Mm -hmm. Uh, The people who live there, uh, most Jews really looked down on them and judged them for a lot of historical reasons. And then Jesus encounters during the hottest part of the day, and boy, hasn't it been hot lately. Yeah. the, there's this woman drawing water from a well all by herself, and she's doing it because, during the heat of the day because she is shunned by her community because she's been sleeping around.
0: Yeah. Uh, the um, interpretation I've heard, too, is she woke up late, right? In the yeah. morning when most people would wake up, she's sleeping in because right. she, she had work the previous night, right? Yeah, and,
1: and the fact of the matter is that she's looked down upon, she's alone, and she's thirsty. Mm. So she encounters Jesus, this Jewish rabbi, who most of them wouldn't even talk with her, much less even get in in the vicinity of her. And Jesus tells her this good news that not only can she get water there, but she can get, as he says, uh, well, well, this is what Jesus says in chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. He says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again." But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life." And then a little bit later, he tells her, "'There's a time coming, and has now come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are kind the kind of worshipers the Father seeks.'" Hmm. Well, what what does this have to do with obeying the law and making us right, okay? But the thing is, this is a woman who was almost totally disconnected Mm -hmm. with being able to have life, and she finds a pathway towards life in Jesus who can give her this water that wells up to eternal life, but also that she can worship God in spirit and in truth. And remember in chapter 1, it talks about how important obeying the truth of God, Mm. knowing the truth of God, knowing God Himself is. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says they knew God, meaning the truth about God also, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. But if you're willing to, know the truth of God and worship God and give Him thanks, means that there's a hand-in-hand relationship with obeying God. Hmm. And the pattern that I've kind of parsed things out towards this is um, there's a necessity to turn away from sin and turn towards Jesus. This woman had been sleeping around. She needed to turn towards Jesus. Um, God knows my secret sins. I need to turn to Him and repent of my sin. As I place my faith and trust in Him, the Holy Spirit indwells in me, and I get to abide in Christ. And in that, I find empowerment, Bill, to obey God, to live life the way He always wanted me to live. And that obeying That faithfulness to God shows evidence that I'm in relationship with God. There's Mm -hmm. fruit there. And as we live healthier, as we live holier lives, it's because of what he's doing in us, because we had faith in him, he works in us so that we can obey. So it's like that song says, trust and obey.
0: Yeah, I like her response of going back to the town after she met Jesus, and she said, hey, I met a man who knew everything about me. I Mm -hmm. met the Messiah. And so it's a beautiful picture of someone realizing, my life is a mess, which is true of all of us. We're all, have the death sentence pronounced upon us. We're all a mess on our own. And who said, hey, I found someone who can save me. I found someone who gives me meaning, who gives me purpose. I found found it. I found who I've been looking for. And the same goes for us. It's faith, right? We come to Jesus in faith that he is who we are looking for. And when we find him, then we are prompted to want to say, you've saved me. You're amazing. You're everything I couldn't be. You've put me back together. You've given me life again. So I want to live the way you want me to live because that's a much better way to live. And so that's where the law comes in is it is a response in gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. So thank you for that, Bob.
1: I can see why Paul would call that good news.
0: Okay, Bob, we've covered a lot. I mean, in Romans, even one verse is a lot, and we covered half a whole chapter this morning. So again, in line with my easy questioning of you, what do we as Bible readers take away from the first half of chapter 2? If you could give us a sentence of a takeaway for the first half of chapter 2, what would it be? Well, I'm tempted to do what
1: Paul does because he does these incredible run-on sentences yeah, they that go last on forever. <laughs> I know. I, you know. Just bear in mind whenever you're reading Romans and it starts with a word like for or because or, or therefore, therefore, yeah, that's one sentence that's keeping on going on. <laughs> I'll try not to do that. Okay. The one sentence I've got is instead of judging others, in spirit and in truth, trust in the Lord, who will show us how to live healthily.
0: Ah, I like that, that's well done, well done, yeah. Or I would also add on to that and say, when we judge behavior as God-honoring or God-dishonoring, then just as soon as we've made that judgment, come back to ourselves and see where we're at with the Lord in that regard.
1: Yeah, even with communion, we're encouraged to examine ourselves before we take the body and blood of Christ, remembering what he's done for us he's paid the price for our sin,
0: we have the chance to obey him, love him, know him, worship and glorify him because of what he did. Right. Well, since you brought it up with communion, right? Mm -hmm. At communion, we're invited to Jesus' table. We are invited to celebrate what Jesus has done for us by lifting our cups to him. So how do we see Jesus in Romans 16? I'm sorry, Romans chapter 2, 1 through 16.
1: Well, I think first of all, Uh, we need to recognize not only that God loves us, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, Those are great, good things. He's patient with us. Uh But also, He is judge. We need to take that seriously. Hmm. But thanks be to God that Jesus also died for us, died for our sins, so that we by Him paying the price for our disobedience, we have the pathway through Him, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be saved so that we can live righteously with Him, so Mm -hmm. that we can obey Him as a body, as a church. So whether it be in chapter one or chapter two or throughout the entire letter to the Romans, we find this theme of Jesus makes it possible. But also, remember, Jesus absolutely is in charge. Um, We've got to take him seriously for all these different things.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful because he is judge, and at the same time, he is our justification, which is amazing, that we come before the judge and we lay out our sin, and then after he's named it and we own up to it, he says, and my sacrifice has covered all that. Yeah, he is
1: Lord this. and Savior. Yeah,
0: amen to that. Amen. Well, thank you, Bob. Thank you for taking on something as thick as Romans with us and kind of this ongoing intermittent series that you've started for us. So really appreciate you being here today. Thanks for working with me. Well, praise the Lord. All right.